uh, welcome to Residing in North Idaho. We have a very special edition today. Uh, we've got all three of the boys here, and we're going to talk about crime and sports, youth sports particularly. I think those are good topics. Um, always good to have a plan. I did not originally have one. This was your, you both your idea to do this, and I was like, yeah, solid. We should talk about that. Um, in the house, we've got Dave Fowler and Eric. Can I say your last name? Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I think I think we're safe. Now. Okay, okay, okay. Eric yeah. Boardman. Um, all three of us are partners in this uh, real estate venture, your North Idaho agent. Um, so here we are. And we're going to talk about bear meat. And bear meat. We all want to hear the fact that Eric shot a bear this year. Yeah. Listen, I'm, we just I'm, lost like... So- how many viewers do you have? <laughs> Ten. We just lost six because we talked so, about killing a bear. Stick around to the very end, and you'll watch us eat some bear meat. That's uh, that'll be very enticing. That's a good hook right there. We should keep that. I've seen enough podcasts to know that you don't come on as a guest and not bring a gift. Yeah, so um, bear meat solid. That is a very manly gift. I appreciate that. Uh, bourbon comes in a close second, just FYI. And uh, yeah, there we go. Um, so, Dave, this is great. Dave is act literally. I'm- no, it's fine. I'm just going to call you out on the air. Dave is literally doing work right now, which is a normally a no go. But when you're in the real estate business, you got to handle stuff. Yeah, I explained spot. this the other day to him because uh, he got to come the other day and we wrote up first offer. And uh, I had told him, I said we would, I, I would let him write up the offer if it yeah. wasn't like a SWAT call out, <laughs> which is what it is because we had completely different plans. I didn't tell you anything, and the next thing you know, it was just that's what happened, um, and that's the way this job goes. And that's what I love about it is because it's a complete disruption to everything that I'm doing normally. So, yeah. And we got that offer accepted. Well, that's, see, that's pseudo, it. Cause you, cause almost you, here. cause you got it done quick. If you sit around and wait, especially in right. the summertime, bad day. Yeah. Hey, Eric, is this your first time on a podcast? This is my first time really? on a podcast. That's exciting, yeah. dude. I know it. I love it. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. And you gave me the dirty mic. I gave you the dirty mic. Is that why you're inching away from it at this point? No, I'm strangely comfortable. With okay. It. <laughs> okay. You'll, learn, you'll learn more when I talk about my history. My old partner, Sam has rubbed his scruffy beard on that many a time. Yeah. 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 You haven't met Sam yet. No, otherwise I'd probably be closer. To yeah, Mike. you would. He's a good one. He's, he's, good. He's, he's, a, he's a good one. Um, so let's jump into, uh, so Eric is currently local law enforcement. Obviously we won't mention the department name. Um, can we talk about crime a little bit? That's a big question that I know I get all the time. I'm sure Dave gets all the time. Uh, people are like people moving here, especially from other States don't quite understand. Um, how much safer it is here and how different it is from a lot of these other places. I have, I had a client come recently and they were staying in a rental for a few nights over on North government, downtown Coeur d'Alene. And, uh, they were like super nervous about parking their cars on the street. And I was like, I do it all the time. It's totally fine. They're like, no, no. And so the guy stayed up like all night. He kept getting up to check on his car. turns out in his paranoia, he had left his keys sitting on his porch the whole night. And lo and behold, nothing happened. Weird. Isn't that crazy? It is wild. Yeah. So like, you know, can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's something that if you live here for a while, you kind of take it for granted mm. that you can leave your car unlocked. Obviously you don't recommend that. I always recommend being a hard target and making a move on to something more difficult, but it was eye opening to me. It was a month ago. I went to San Francisco. We went cage diving with great whites, the Farallon what? Islands. Heck, you did this a month ago? Yeah, it was awesome. I heard this. It was cool. Okay. It was, it was like for your 40th, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was my 40th birthday. 40 years old. Yep. After the roast you gave me at my party, I really appreciate that, <laughs> by the way. It was great. Um, but going down there, people leaving signs on their car saying, hey, my car's unlocked. You know, please don't break out my windows and broken glass all over the streets. Just a tough place to live. And then you compare that to here where literally we go through um, our crime trends. We analyze that twice a month and we're going through and looking for 
Autobergs or retail thefts and then really targeting those particular criminal trends and, you know, really splicing hairs because we're down 65% in part one crimes, which is, you know, major crimes, which for this area and this close to proximity to Spokane is pretty amazing. So in retrospect, if we have, let's say four auto burglaries in a week, that's kind of a crime wave here. Mm. Pretty lucky that way, but that's also you know, speaks to the aggressiveness with which we pursue other criminal activities. Is, is that, oh, sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, I was going to say when I was, when I was with the department, that was one of the things that um, really caught me off guard is that when we had a spur of burglaries, auto burglaries, right. it was usually one group of kids. It was usually four or five guys and mm-hmm. you'd get all these reports. So all of a sudden you get this mass influx on social media and ring and everything else where people are saying it's really unsafe on here, up here. And really, it's just the work of just a few people, which the department is excellent at focusing in on and finding those people. And the crime stops almost immediately. Um, So when you get those little rushes, it usually is just a couple people. It's not like it's an unsafe area and these are happening all the time. It's usually an isolated incident or isolated people for sure. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's cool about it, too. Even if you don't directly go out and interdict that particular activity, right? Like you, let's say you don't catch that group of juveniles, but then all of a sudden it stops. Then we even go back further and say, okay, who did we take into custody in the last week? Like, why did this stop? Because a lot of times they get picked Mm. up for another unrelated crime, whether it be a retail theft, you know, shoplifting type of deal, or they get picked up for dope most often. I still think drugs are at the crux of the majority of property crime, but uh, it's interesting going to backtrack that. And then you can go kind of reverse investigate and go through the jail and all that. And yeah, Man, a little bit, even talking about the people that get on and say, oh, the crime's coming, Coeur d'Alene's not what it once was. For every one of those, there's 10 other citizens here that are like, hey, I saw something really suspicious, right? Like, you guys should check this out. I think we have an idea what group this is, or there's somebody I'm familiar with. Somebody has ring doorbell footage. It's really pretty cool. Like, the partnering with the community here is still very much, you know, it's a big city with a small town mentality, and we don't have crime check. For those that aren't familiar with crime checks, Spokane, everything that you report that's property crime oriented goes to a system where you don't actually talk to a human mm. and it just gets into this funnel and it doesn't get looked at by a detective for, you know, a month or two months or whatever. And by then you have no chance of catching that individual. Right. So, well, you know, we both came, um, <clears throat> obviously if you, if you haven't followed us before, we both came from California. Um, and the areas that I worked when I was, obviously I didn't do law, law enforcement there, but the areas that I worked, there wasn't a, a, a stark difference uh, in the communities that I worked as a, as a fire captain down there. Um, it was very, very similar in terms of crime, the clientele, everything else. You had minor differences, but it, you know, it, it, a lot of it was the same. And what you just talked about and the fact that there's such a difference between right here in Spokane really blows my mind yeah, because when 35 you go to, miles away, right? right yeah. When you go to Spokane, it's like a different country yeah. and I, I'm not here to speak politics on anything else, but you can look at exactly what's going on. And there's a difference over here uh, compared to across the border. And I, we've talked about this before. You when, can feel it when you cross state line. I swear there's like a palpable right. shift when you cross. You're like, oh, right, yeah, going and my heart, my heart skips a little beat and I'm yeah. like, damn it. And props to the law enforcement up here because I was brand new and granted I'm a little older. So, uh, starting out older, people didn't realize, especially when I was arresting somebody that this guy's a new guy. And I would ask them all the time, not answering that phone. Get out of here. (laughs) Jim, he wants to. Okay. Um, no, no, I don't want to. Um, so, but one of the biggest things is that I would arrest criminals that had no clue that I'd been on the department for two months. And I would say, Hey, you know, our reputation, right? 
and I'd play off of it and they turn around and be like, I know I shouldn't have brought drugs into Coeur d'Alene. I shouldn't have done these things. And that is incredible. That's cool. Because it is, like you said, 35 miles away, but yet even criminals know what happens when you bring stuff that you shouldn't into Idaho. Right. I mean, all the way down to marijuana. You can go off and say that's fine, but when you bring it over here, there's a huge difference in how you're treated. You you gonna get dealt with. Yes. Yeah. And there's been some artistic liberties taken with the quote, but I had a group, let's say it's from a western Oregon city that's kind of gone downhill in the last you know, decade. No, it was Portland. Portland? That's oh no, man, yeah. They got um we busted them with some felony drugs here, right? And the guy's in the back of the car and he's mad. And I, I knew it. They told me, he's like, go to Coeur d'Alene on vacation. You leave on probation. I was like, <laughs> if that's making it to the West coast, yes. I'm a fan. We're, yes. we're doing our job. We're doing it right. So I, I love that uh, law enforcement here still gives a damn because these other States, I mean, they've beat it out of the cops. It's like, it's not worth it. The DA's office doesn't prosecute. Right. Like, so you work, you bust your ass to get this case and you, and you get a good hook and you're like, here we go, DA. And they're like, nah. Decline right. to prosecute, prosecute. You're like, fuck. Well, dude, look, Why? At it. look at it in Washington, bro. Like now they've almost entirely decriminalized simple possession in Washington state of both meth and fentanyl, which are the ones that I, I really. Fentanyl too? Oh yeah. Oh, so dude. the thing is me. in order to charge them criminally, they need to have three offenses, right? So yeah. essentially your first one, here's your civil citation to go try to get some, uh, I know, right. Yeah, get that beautiful get, radio. Get, get, dirty get, mic, right? yeah, get, get in, in there. there. All right. So, uh, but that first one, you know, you get hooked with fentanyl the first time, essentially here's your civil citation and it's like a forwarding for treatment, which I can go off on that. I, I appreciate that and want that. I want them to go back to being good protective members of society, but from law enforcement, you get a first one, then you get a second one. It's not even a misdemeanor until the third one, but it has to occur in the same jurisdiction because oh there's gosh. no way to track it. So as a cop, you guys were both there are you going to risk your ass to go after this guy for something that isn't criminal? Are you going to put hands on him and dig in his pockets and right. subject yourself to liability and all the use of force stuff? Nah, no, nah. nobody's going to do that. Right. So that's why there's that significant. I sometimes joke. I say Idaho is like one of the last sanctuaries of sanity, right? Because I think say, there's a reality to that, right? Man, they let cops do their thing. Yeah. They let them be aggressive because it goes back to, it's hard to commit crimes like the property crimes we're talking about. It's hard to commit crimes when you're looking over your shoulder all the time. And I, I being a cop in Idaho is different because I like being a shark. Like it's hard to commit crime when you're looking over your shoulder. Yeah. You know what? This is a great sales pitch for law enforcement in Idaho. If you're working out of state somewhere and uh, you are sick of that crap, come to Idaho. Yeah. Get yourself a good job. Yeah, we get a lot. Fight that crime. Way. Yeah, we get a lot that way. But dude, just what you're saying, even uh, laterals from other states, we spend a lot of time reminding them that Hey man, people up here don't hate you. Yeah. And I think you could probably speak to that better than 100%. most. Man, I, I feel bad, you know, from some of those places where you don't get the same community support that you do here. We have a really pretty badass community that really looks after us. And we've been in some situations and for that, every one person that's out there harping against police, man, there's 10 or 20 other ones in this community that have our back. It's like a healing process to come up here uh, after working in another state. I spent a lot of time on the riot line, uh, 10 years of doing that. And uh, I can personally attest to BLM and Antifa are some of the shittiest people on earth. Um, the way they treat uh, law enforcement, even black law enforcement officers, they were the worst to them. So, you know, coming from that world where you're just like constantly getting berated and, and verbally assaulted and everything to here. Now, obviously I didn't work here as a cop, but 
you know, just being in, in the community and knowing that I can tell people that I did that. It's like night and day difference. Yeah, it's cool. extremely uh, therapeutic to come up here. And, and I think that's a common element that a lot of guys and gals that are retiring in other states, like they're looking for that and they come up here and they ask and you're like, no, like, trust me, you come up here and you will, you will literally heal yourself you, from that stress. You see a big difference between when people, I mean, you still arrest people up here and they, they you know, they're going to fight it, but it seems like there's more of the aggression is towards, they disagree with the law as opposed to, they don't like you. I've had some people that are extremely frustrated and, mm. um, you know, borderline non-compliant. And the whole time they're telling me this isn't you, but this is bullshit. I shouldn't be arrested for that. Okay. Yeah. And I can deal with that. But the fact that there's a, there's a healthy respect for law enforcement up here is something that I feel like if we lose that, then it's going to change drastically up here. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a huge advocate. I don't work in law enforcement anymore, but I'm a huge advocate for watching these guys and gals get paid better. Yes. Because I don't want to lose good cops, good people that actually want to fight crime and want to change and keep things the way that it is and change, you know, any negative stigma or anything else about law enforcement. You get good law enforcement officers. They know how to enforce the law. They know how to do it correctly. Um, you know, they're not a liability on the department. And honestly, that costs money. You right. find places that have that pay and you find the good officers coming to those places. And then you invest in them. And then you have to keep them. Yep. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like once you invest in that and they start to understand the nuances of Idaho and what you're saying, if we lose that in Idaho, I can guarantee you one thing. There will be a lot of other states in a lot worse shape than us. For first, sure. we'll be one for of sure. the last holdouts that's still, I call it criminalizing criminal activity <clears throat> because so many states are decriminalizing criminal activity, mm -hmm. right? But that's... uh another conversation. I know there's, there's a stigma sometimes with Idaho for people that have either moved here or moving up here. Some Idahoans will be like, Oh, they're Californians. Right. And I love having conversations with those folks that just moved here because that apathy you're talking about as a cop coming from California, people that live there have the same thing. Yep. Where when you call the police, they don't come right. Cause there's certain crimes they just aren't going to respond to anymore. And I love reminding them again, we don't have crime check, right? Like hit us up. I trust your baseline for what your neighborhood should look like. So if it falls outside of your baseline, trust your instinct and let right. us know. I'll gladly come roll by and go jam somebody up for, you know, littering or breaking bottles on the end because that's going to keep them from burgering a house. Yeah. Half those activities are just like pushing the envelope, right? Like poking to right. seeing how much they can get away with. So I'm a big fan of that. I remind my guys all the time. If you stop one of those, you know, and it's the old, if you stop a soccer mom or a good law abiding citizen, man, Put them at ease, make them laugh, mm -hmm. welcome to the area and tell them, hey, you guys see something funky, let us know. But that's truly collaborating with the local area and because it's everybody's job. It's not just police's right. job to keep it safe. It's everybody's. Yeah, I, I get a, uh, this question a lot too. Um, hey, like, how's this particular area? Like, hey, this neighborhood in Post Falls, is this sketchy? And I'm like, I, I, obviously I don't work here, so I'm not in the nitty gritty of it, but just driving around. I'm like, I'm not seeing the indicators of like a terrible neighborhood anywhere. I mean, do you have, are there pockets here that, that you can speak to? Or, I mean, does that even exist? I mean, you guys working in the area. You Relatively, there's areas that are better than others. But yeah. I've explained it to people like this. There's not an area, when I think of the bad areas, especially in Coeur d'Alene, um, granted there's other areas that I'm not as familiar with, but there's not a, a neighborhood in, in North Idaho yet that I wouldn't feel comfortable walking down a street in the middle of the night unarmed. 
Right. There's just, there, there's just not that. I don't see that violent crime. I don't see people, um, you know, doing the things that they're doing in other States. I don't feel uncomfortable walking around anywhere down here. And I would walk with my kids in the middle of the night and I'm, I mean, I'm going to get stopped because it looks weird. <laughs> there's yeah. going to be, yeah. there's going to be somebody stopping, going, asking what I'm doing, but um, I don't, I don't think so. Even downtown, I mean, where you would think and traditionally in a, in a city, you know, there's that alley or whatever downtown. It's like, I made that in the, in the uh, homeless video that I made and I, I walked through all the alleys and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got some shit for that, believe it or not, from the left side of the world. Um, very insensitive, apparently to talk about homelessness. Uh, but, uh, you know, walking through those alleys, it's like, there's not, there's nobody here. There's like, there's no homeless people hanging out. Uh, I freaking love that. So same thing. I'd go through in the middle of the night, literally. I don't care. Any time of day yeah. you could walk through there, you'd be fine. No. And it, what you guys said is hundred percent, right? I think it's relative, right? Depending on where you come from before. And you guys come from a different place. And prior to this, I was in the military. I got bounced all over, I actually moved here from, um, uh, West Palm beach area, Boynton beach, Florida. And there's some pockets out there. Florida's weird. It'll be mm. like really nice neighborhood, gated community, and then right next to like a rough, rough area. And there's just little pockets right next to each other. But we get, uh, to us, it's a lot of time, right? Like it's timing. We'll get an area that's like spikes maybe with autobergs or some thefts or some person's crimes and stuff like that. But just like we talked about um, with this area, usually we tie that to a problem house. Then mm. we have methods for intervening and trying to thwart that particular activity right encourage you, them to move west <laughs> do you get uh like a lot of out-of-state people committing these crimes like people coming over from washington is that pretty common yeah yeah for yeah. sure especially uh summertime yeah. in summertime downtown Coeur d'Alene is you know it's gorgeous downtown area is awesome and you get a lot of activity down there and uh you know people of all walks of life like to come over and enjoy the downtown area and um some would like to gauge in other activities that probably would go unnoticed over there, but they certainly aren't unnoticed here. So we get some of that pass through stuff. And then, uh, I 90, I mean, hope we're good talking about this, but that's designated a high intensity drug trafficking area. It's been designated by the DEA. I 90 is a corridor, you know, pipelines up through California and goes through Washington. And so we do get trafficking across I 90. So we'll get some, uh, pass through criminal activities, but our guys like finding that stuff. So those are always fun, dude. Oh yeah. It's awesome. Getting a big load. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't, I can't, it's hard for me to speak in the downtown, um, because I'm never up past eight 30 at night. So I don't, uh, I don't know what goes on down there. Oh, that's that's my bedtime. You know, yeah, yeah. You're, you're in there cold plunging while people are still up partying downtown at <laughs> four 30 in the morning. That. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm definitely an early riser. Um, so the, the trafficking thing's interesting. Cause that's like a crime that doesn't necessarily affect, people living here but it's it's a nasty crime i mean like transporting that stuff over wherever they're going montana or beyond uh so i'm definitely it warms my heart to know that there are people out there working the freeways and and hitting those load cars that's good stuff right man especially when you get to talking about fentanyl you guys are getting me going down a rabbit hole talking hey, about that all right but it's I'm gonna uh, run to the restroom real quick because you guys can't give me water when we're starting this oh yeah no it's okay <laughs> here i've got a gatorade bottle right here oh my gosh nobody will know <laughs> no, but tell me about fentanyl, baby. Man, when you have this little strip of Idaho, you look at that panhandle, right? That's, That's that easy one. Drive, right? Yeah, it's and it's just such a small Empty. section. And um, I mean, ISP are their beasts when it comes to that stuff, and really looking at some of that, um, you know, some of those traffickers that are moving from western part of Washington, then all the way over to the Midwest. It only takes a couple of times responding to calls where. 16 year olds OD'd and died from mm -hmm. making that first mistake. I mean, 
I know what I was like as a kid, you yeah. know, and it legitimately, um, you know, I always, I coach football and I say that, you know, there's, there's winning and there's learning, you know, making mistakes and failing is a function of growth. Mm. I'm a firm believer in that. But when I go talk to these kids and teach classes about, you know, modern drug trends, this mistake can kill you. And it's just that, you know, tiny little pill and it looks so much different than meth. And man, if we have an opportunity to wipe one of those, you know, off the board or take a couple right. thousand pills off, we'll, we'll take that. That's why we like to push it. And our laws are just a little more conducive to holding people accountable for it than, yeah. you know, Washington and even Montana can be a little tough, which is a little wild. That is wild. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely thankful I grew up when I did because I didn't have those things to worry about. Right. Same. So it's, it's scary for kids growing up now. And it's definitely a, a conversation to have with the kids. Right. You know, like I've had those conversations with my kids from a young age and they're super dorky now and square bears. And I'm like, that's perfect. Like, yeah, it and, just, you, I don't worry about them as much with trying that kind of stuff, man. I went and taught, uh, they invited me over to Genesis prep. So I actually taught that to their high school and then, um, talked to the middle school kids too. And we got to talking about pills a little bit. And, you know, as I tell them, look, man, make mistakes. That's how you're going to grow and learn. You just, you just can't make that one, yeah. you know, and then you start to break down what those pills look like and how that whole industry kind of came to be and how, when you send those pills off to a lab, each one can be between the last DEA info was like 0.2 to 0.6 milligrams of fentanyl for the average person that has no, um, opiate tolerance, you know, 0.2 can be lethal and they look identical. I mean, these are legitimate clandestine lab, white lab coat, pill pressed pills, and you can't tell the difference between the point two and the point six. Mm. So you can see why those overdose rates since 2017 have absolutely just skyrocketed. Are you guys using Narcan a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's even here. It's interesting. I, I have never used it. Uh, we weren't oh. even allowed to carry it. Um, and then it started to become a thing. I think they can carry it now, CHP. I think so. I don't, somebody will correct me on that, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, I was like, one, it was stupid that they wouldn't let us carry it. But Right. Uh, especially for yourself, just to see that trend that's changed so fast. Right. Um, it's like, damn, that's some scary stuff. There's almost, there's almost, uh, an acceptance that it's going to be used mm. now. I mean, Narcan, I mean, you can 100%. call, you can call numbers, you can order Narcan, you can get it for free. There's government programs, everything else, which I mean, lends its own, its own issues because it's just like going over to Washington or Oregon. I'm not sure where they're doing it and I don't want to misquote it, but I know there's some places that are doing like clean needle drops and stuff where you oh, can yeah. go pick up. Stuff so that you can Spoken. legally use yep. illegal drugs and you can use things that are harmful, but they want you to stay healthy while you do it. And that to me, it, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. And it's, it falls apart the same line that like, you're going to give people Narcan, you're going to give something to fix it and get them out of it. And they're going to go do it again. And that it, it starts to become just like the homeless population saying, Hey, here's all these resources. You don't need anything else. Mm. And, you know, everybody wants to argue and say, well, they need something. They need something. What they need is they actually need help. It's going to get them on their feet and do something about it for themselves. Yeah. But we're handing out fish and not fishing poles. Right. Yeah. And there it's the go. same thing with Narcan analogy. So Man, what, what's wild is when we don't even know the long-term ramifications of fentanyl use yet. We don't, we don't understand the recidivism rate because it's only been around, you know, for in this type of use. What word did you just say? Recidiv recidivism. Really smart. smart me, but. but we, so we don't even understand the long-term ramifications. It's wild. When I talk to people that I've worked with in my, within my work capacity, God, he's smart. 
Yeah, dude. The, ten- actually, the tendency of a convicted criminal to reoffend recidivism. This is right. this is crazy. It's like you know your job every once in a while. Wow. Honestly, I swear I've never heard that word in my life. I haven't either. I'm surprised I spelled it correctly. <laughs> I heard it's it from somebody else. Recidivism. I'm going to try. That's my goal yeah. this week is to use that in a sentence correctly. Yeah. Nice. Good luck. I think this podcast is the only chance you're going to have. So you better use it in the next five minutes. You got time, dude. But talking to some of the folks that uh, got in and were heavy fentanyl users and addicts as part of my, uh, I've done it just like every other cop. I've worked in a lot of different fields, right? So when we did street crimes and talking to people that were heavy fentanyl addicts and what their path to recoveries looked like, you truly start developing appreciation for what that, how it changes your brain chemistry. Mm. I mean, it's a different level of opiate addiction you know it wrecks and goes in there i always think about like your pleasure receptors and most drugs mimic dopamine right and it goes in and i was thinking about it like a firework and i'm no biologist all right and that's recidivism is as smart as i get but it goes in and just burns out those pleasure receptors so when they get right and they finally find that thing and a lot of times it's kids they run into consequences right consequences Mm. and then they decide to get right for their kids but the biological ramifications of trying to relearn and retrain yourself what is supposed to make you happy because your normal dopamine doesn't work anymore. So watching your kids score a touchdown, watching your kid be really successful in school, you know, these watching them graduate, watching them get married, it doesn't have that same effect. And it's sad. Yeah. And you look at the and then you truly start to feel for some of the addicts. Now they all made a choice. I'm hundred percent with you, but there has to be consequences on the other side. So yep. why as a society are we accepting this new normal that it's just everywhere? Yeah. When I taught the middle school, this little girl is seventh grade, asked a very honest question. She stands up and she said, uh, Sergeant Boardman, um, if you guys know, cause I was explaining the labs in Mexico and how they come up and all that. I think it's important. We got to empower them with knowledge. Now mm. got to treat them like young adults. So if you know where they are, why don't you just go stop it? Good question. That's a great question. What? Why don't we? Mm. I said, because at the end of the day, somebody somewhere has decided that your life is worth a certain sum of money. Sorry. Dang. Right? Like, what else do you Dang. say? But yeah. somebody yeah. truly has decided that our kids' lives, because we've all gone to ODs of kids that are under 18. I hate to say that we've had them locally, right? Somebody's decided that it's worth it. You know what I mean? It's all it's all about money. It's crazy. Yeah. That's why I'm super passionate about fentanyl stuff. Man. Is it uh worse than heroin? Yes. Really? Yeah, it's uh fifty times the um potency and the issue with fentanyl, man, is it's a tasteless and odorless powder, right? Mm. That can be put into any form. The only reason it's those they're called Mexi thirties or blues, you know, M thirty on one side and they're like counterfeit perk thirty pills from back in the day mm-hmm. is because that's what the labs have decided to press them in. That's why crystal meths become such a huge thing. They use clandestine labs, so it's legitimate, like, lab quality. What's crazy is they can change that delivery mechanism anytime they want, which has already happened. So we think that it's just pills, but it's not, right? So they've actually changed them. There's stuff on the street now called the street name is Skittles or Tarts. They've made them multicolored. Oh, boy. I got pictures on I can. I know. Yeah, I've had them too. And I've found those locally. So I ask you this, like, what do you think their target demographic is? Right. Kids. Kids. The younger demographic. That's people. terrible. Yeah. Or, or uh, is fentanyl usually just ingested or is it smoked and in, uh, injected or anything like that? All the above. All of it. I think yeah. smoke's probably the most common that I've seen. Yep. 
they'll, so. you'll find, uh, um, gosh, I probably have my bag in the car, but you'll find the fentanyl. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's try well, something. Maybe let's not, yeah. Maybe not that. See what happens. All right. Well, I'm going to be doing this full time tomorrow if this goes live. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but it's, uh, you'll find foilies, you know, it's called, uh, chasing the dragon you'll find foilies with burn marks mm. and you scorch the pill across the top and then you inhale it with a tubular device like it's called a tutor usually a straw or a hollowed out pin okay you'll inhale it off the top of that foily and uh that's probably the most common method but they call that chasing the dragon which it's is similar to heroin smoking heroin right exactly yeah, yeah. It's, wild. it's wild when you break it down with users like uh, called chasing the dragon because that first high you get is complete and total euphoria because it's just rattling around that pleasure receptor and then you'll never get it again that's why crazy thing dude like if we get uh like two or three ods in a weekend guess you know, who's a bad batch no who's the most popular dealer in town the dude that's sold to them because mm. the closest mm. you can get to dying is the closest you get to the dragon that is sad. Isn't that wild? Like, yeah. that's what we're talking about when you're talking about, like, altering brain chemistry. Like, right. It changes the way that people, you know, just, it already totally realigns your priorities. But well, there's awesome. a difference, too, with heroin, cocaine, things like that. Those are natural substances. They're pulled from natural substances. Not to say that they're, they're good for you. Right. But there's they're completely difference. different than a synthetic. That's a great point. And so, you know, when you look at the heroin addicts and everything else, there there is a much different effect on the body on how it's altering brain chemistry and mm -hmm. whether or not it is when you start going into methamphetamine and fentanyl and other sort of substances that have been drawn up in a lab, they have effects on your brain that never, that, that change it forever. They change it forever. So, um, you know, that's a huge thing too, is like, you're talking about that brain altering chemistry. Yeah. Those are, that's what's happening in labs. And it's cheaper and easier for them to do. It's a synthetic opiate. And it's been around since the 70s, right? Like China started producing this uh, powder in the 70s. It was used for like long-term life care, like hospice care, pain management. It was great. It's easier to cultivate. It's less expensive than is heroin. And it's way more potent per, per small quantity. Mm. Dude, because then you get into like car fentanyl. Car fentanyl is a tranquilizer. Wow. Or pain, um, uh, yeah, it's pain, pain stuff for like zoo animals. So it's way more potent than fentanyl is. So we've run into powdered fentanyl a couple times here locally too. Extremely rare. Mm -hmm. Now people are using fentanyl in combination with xylazine, which makes Narcan completely ineffective. It's supposed to. Oh my goodness. It's wild. It's just Jeez. totally different level of addiction. But just to your point, man, the human body was probably never meant to ingest those anyways. No. But when you start talking about synthetic and way more potent in small quantities, man, it gets wild. Now I'm curious, you know, how bad, like, so obviously there's some of that here, but like Spokane, Portland, Seattle, like how, what those guys are dealing with. I haven't talked to, I, I got some buddies that work for Spokane PD. I'm gonna have to ask him, but like, you know, what level of, of, of crap are they dealing with dealing with the fentanyl stuff? Like how often are they narcaning people? It's probably constant or ODs in general. Yeah. I mean, such a common occurrence, yeah. right? When this thing first kicked off, I mean, I, I've only been in law enforcement since uh, 2014. I was in the Navy before that. You know, so I kind of watch this trend and we're seeing these broken pills because people were actually having the powder shipped over in the dark web, which was a Department of Defense contract, which is a whole different thing. But oh people are getting it shipped to their house, like legitimately. And man, they're buying their own pill press, buying their own combining agents, and they're making their own crappy pills. So what we were finding is like these crumbled crappy pills and ODs started going up a lot. Yeah, but then they start kicking off and then it generates, you get... Uh, the attention they're making so much money tcos or transnational criminal organizations cartels start looking into that because they're just making so much freaking money but yeah 
when it all really got started, man, a hardened user, hardened user was three to five pills a day, three to five pills a day. And they were going for like 10 to 12 bucks a pill. Ooh. Now you're looking at people we've run into them. Uh, one of them, one of the trippers from Washington to Montana, she was using 30 pills a day and using powder. Like Holy crap. Yes. And you can get it in Spokane. If you're buying in quantity for like between a buck and two bucks a pill. Wow. So it's all, it's crazy to look at like the business side of that, yeah. right? Trying to understand supply and demand. And so how much must supply be up for uh, that to be a thing? Right. Right. Not polit, not political, but truly how much is coming across. Dang, Whoa, dude. That's wild. That is wild. Uh, I guess I'm glad we're over here and we don't deal with that that much. No. I no. definitely don't see it in my life. No. And I'm glad you guys are out there doing your thing so I don't have to. Um, can we talk about homeless a little bit? Because that's a common question. Yeah. Uh, a homeless video. Check it out on there. Um, the it's bench. gotten a lot of views. Yeah. So I made that <laughs> bench video was a short from the full video. Um, that video gets a lot of views every day because I think it's a common question. I was, I just kind of, I titled it like, you know, does Idaho have a homeless crisis? That was a little clickbaity. I understand that. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of just showed downtown and like, they're not there. No. Why? Like, you know, I, I talked about resources a little bit. Um, I told them that the, the cops here just throw them in the back of the car and throw them over the border. I'm just kidding. They don't do that. Uh, but, uh. <laughs> You know, what, like, what's the deal? So, well, some of them on a first name basis with, okay. I'll tell you that much, uh, downtown Coeur d'Alene, uh, the homeless population we generally know on a first name basis because there aren't that many. Yeah. And it's funny when you talk to them say, heck no, I'm not going to Spokane. It sucks over there. Everybody <laughs> steals your stuff. Everybody's <laughs> using dope. So we get like the good homeless, like we get the, you know, the ones that aren't up to no good and they know the rules. If you guys want to live that lifestyle, man, yeah. do you, but you're not going to invade somebody else's privacy. You're not going to steal anything. And you're not going to be openly using the middle of the street. They're just I think those standard. are some solid rules, right? right? Yeah, and if they if they fair. obey that, I'm like, you know, thinking 20 years ago in California, like I, I was in Chico and, uh, you know, there were homeless people in town, but they weren't the screaming lunatics that we have today. And it's right. like, I, you can tolerate them. Yeah. If, if that's your lifestyle, bro, right. you do you. There's yeah. a, there's a lot of things up here too that affect that. I mean, climate is one of them. You know what I mean? If anybody's homeless up here, they are committed. I, yeah, they're committed <laughs> because you can go, you can go down to the beach you can go down to San Diego. You can go to a place like that and you get free showers. You can yeah. fish off the pier. I mean, I brought that up in my video and I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on that. And I'm going to use Spokane as the example because we have the same climate. Yep. And, you know, we're only 35 miles away and they are completely overrun like with homeless, like it's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. So there's um, a lot of resources too. And one of the things here. that we don't have over there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. over here, we don't, I mean, our closest warming shelters in Post Falls. Yep. Post Falls. Warming I mean, shelter. when it gets, when it's it gets convenient. below, you tell people like Spokane has those things. Uh, they will keep you warm over there. There's options for people over there. Yeah. And it's not to say that people shouldn't have options, but when there are options, people are going to use those things. If it's free, we don't have that over here. I mean, you're in your car. Yeah. That's that's the warmest you're going to get i have heard that uh, the religious organizations over here that do provide services make sure that they have to be clean to use those i don't know if that's true or not but um yeah if they're you know and even, obviously a lot of them don't want to do that so right that's the hard part and that is you can't openly use if you're staying in one of those facilities yeah. and um even if you're overly intoxicated you, you kind of get run out pretty quick and um you know that coupled with the fact that if there's somebody new in town um, like if you're, if it's a new homeless group that kind of migrated over from Spokane, you've probably been contacted by law enforcement 
Quite a few times. Yeah, yeah, five, six times during the week just yeah. to identify you just because we like to know. Used to ride around with me, man. Every time we didn't recognize somebody, it was, hey, what's up? Jump out and chat them up and kind of let them know. It gives us the opportunity to let them know what our standards are, what our citizens beautiful. Ex- what our citizens expect, and, you know, kind of how we roll around here. Well, even panhandling. I mean, how many times does 911 get called for somebody that's panhandling? Nine that happens. happened quite a bit. Right. When I was, you know, when I was working over there, people called just because somebody's panhandling. It's not, not illegal. Mm. You can do it. But when I show up, I mean, there was times when I sat there and I talked to them and they asked me, am I detained? I said, you're not detained, but I can talk to you. They said, well, I don't want to talk to you. I said, well, and I've said it to people before. <laughs> I said, how many people do you think are going to give you money right now when I'm standing here talking to you? <laughs> I have no desire to leave. <laughs> and I can stand here and know you're not detained. You're free to leave at any time you want. But I don't think anybody's going to pull up and hand you money while you're sitting here talking to law enforcement. Nicely done, dude. Great angle. So it's creative. Policing. Yeah, that is creative policing. Um, I, I'm retired now, so I can say this, but there have been multiple times when I have driven someone out of my jurisdiction and dropped them off at the next board. You wink once if you've done that. Yeah, no, no problem. I'm not saying you guys do that here, but it was effective. And when that's no longer effective, there comes a point where you just hit them straight up. I know exactly what you're doing. I know what you're dealing. And I promise you this, if you don't stop doing what you're doing, we're probably going to drive a piece of armor through your front door. Mm. So Ooh, that man, has that's happened. A, that's a good, that's a good deterrent. Well, right. And they know that we'll back that up. Yeah. But because- even before that, the thing that you guys do is the prevention thing. Like the fact that you said that, that people don't want to have to look over their shoulder. If you just make contact with somebody, if you're just making consistent contact with somebody, they get so frustrated. Yeah. They know they're up to no good. Even if you're not yeah. finding something on yeah. them at that time, or you don't have a reason to necessarily detain them, but Hey, you know what? There's not a lot of, we, I think somebody said it in PD. There's not a lot that goes on. That's good between 12 and three in the morning. There's not a lot. I don't go for walks at 12 to three in the morning. Mm-hmm. And if I do, I fully expect for somebody from PD to stop off and say, Hey, what are you doing? Oh, you go jump in the lake by yourself. Between I, those yeah, hours. Yeah. Is a little Let's weird. do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, and that's part of our training regiment. I mean, you rode in the car with me, right? Like that was just part of what we trained and what we taught. Yeah. Just know, know who's around your city. That's, fantastic. That's, that's an expectation of our citizens that we serve, right? It's not out there that we're out hassling or harassing everybody. We just right. like to know who's around the city. It's still a big city with a small town mentality. So I'm super appreciative hearing stories from folks that were uh, law enforcement elsewhere, man. Yeah. We're lucky to live where we do. Yeah. Right. That's for sure. I mean, it doesn't go unnoticed. I think the community notices and like appreciates it. Oh, yeah. You can see by how many folks want to move here, dude. It's oh, yeah. nice not having to worry about your stuff. Right. You know, your kids going to school. So we just need to make sure it stays the, what, the same way. Right. Um, can we switch gears and talk about some sports? We were yeah. going to talk about youth sports and this is a world I don't know anything about. My kids, um, have never done a normal sport. Like they've done jujitsu and I guess gymnastics. Oh, my daughter's doing volleyball now. So I got that. But nice. prior to that, like baseball, football, basketball, I, I know nothing about them. Yeah, man. That was one of those. We moved here from Florida. My son was, he was three or four years old. So that was big for us, you know, keeping, especially, especially now he's 13 now and it just keeps him out of trouble. Yeah. I'm convinced if I keep, I have to keep him in sports, but, um, I was really impressed with the parks and recs sports that were available and it's per city. So Coeur d'Alene has it, Rathrum has it, Post Falls has it, and it's, you know, soccer, basketball, flag football. There's something year round. I mean, that's something I know dropping the newsletter. We talked about adding that, what season it is and where to sign up and yeah. all of that stuff. But and on top of that, there's also a ton of club sports yes. too. Yes. Yeah. They go throughout all of North Idaho. So, yep. You talked about it on your last podcast, but when we were, when uh, we moved out here, we got Trent in it with Derek and iron lion and he yeah. did that and competed there for like a year and a half, two oh, yeah. years. And it's just a different mentality. Idaho is such a, 
in a lot of ways, it's such a throwback. When we uh, put Trent into pre-K, uh, it's funny. They still see each other on the football field on opposite sides, but he uh, met a buddy. He was a real big kid and in pre-K. Man, they used to fight and wrestle and just get after each <laughs> other. You know, four years old, and they're getting after it. And, uh lady that was teaching she's like listen i have four boys they aren't affecting any of the other students they got to get it out somehow and i was like that's such a refreshing <laughs> yeah. concept right. right like i i want you know little boys got to go burn some of that stuff out yeah so 100 percent. i um i've actually coached i just coached my last youth football game a couple weeks ago i'd done that since fourth grade so it's about five years and quarter junior tackle you know they start that in third grade Really good program. Everybody's heads up certified. So it's all the new rugby tackling. You know, back in the day, I don't know if you guys played football. Negative. Man. Yeah, I did. Gosh, dude, what they used to tell you, stick your face mask right through their chest to like, you know, lead with your head and just smashing into people. And we probably got six concussions a week. You know, now it's all rugby style tackling, you know, tackle around the waist, use centrifugal force to bring them down. And mm, uh, that's smart. Cause my wife was real nervous. She's an ER nurse in Valley she, and my son's small. Um, and was real nervous about head injuries and stuff. So it was yeah. cool to go watch and see how well trained a lot of those guys are. Uh, you know, so football is one I've been around and the flag football stuff. You talked about private and they've got um, a whole bunch of other flag football leagues that are outside of parks and rec. And that's a big thing if you're moving up here and you're bringing kids. Oh yeah. Right. Like yeah. you want to know what sort of activities they can get into. And a lot of people are moving from bigger cities where there's a lot more, man, there's, a lot there's a lot seems to be way too much baseball okay? the investment is that a, pro is that a problem just yeah. too many fields bro like can uh, you get a football field we've got like yeah. 19 different baseball complexes <laughs> well now, that's there's the thing is that there's, baseball there's a huge investment in kids up here there's a lot of yes. programs that you can get people on and you know that's that's something that's awesome is you get a lot of parents that are still coaching and doing those things because i mean where i came from there was very minimal uh activity and there wasn't the money where i came from and uh, they seem like they've reinvested a lot up here. I mean, and then you have private organizations like uh, Real Life. Yeah. They have all the sports God, fields and 208 point. volleyball and all that stuff. I mean, they even have adult sports. I, I couldn't believe that there was like adult uh, flag football leagues yeah. when I came up here. That was amazing. That's crazy. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, for, for youth, it's just a playground. There's so many things. And, now, and then you incorporate hockey. Yes. Which is a ton of hockey up here, which I never knew. Well, Tyler Johnson, the dude for, uh, he grew up in Spokane. He played for the Lightning. Yep. He actually sponsored the hockey league down there on Celtics. We met him. Yeah. He's, I have a picture with him. I yeah, met him with the Stanley the Cup. Yes. That's so cool. That was. But he's he supplemented a whole bunch of those expenses. If you were like, uh, I think you guys, Trent did that in third or fourth grade. He played hockey down there. Nice. Because it's an expensive sport. Yeah. It's a lot of travel. Gear, yeah. But man, it was cool to see him go out there and rip around on skates. That's awesome. So you just got to get in the know. That's what's cool about you guys. That's part of the reason I kind of wanted to roll with this group. You guys do so much community engagement stuff and you get with other groups and it's not just about selling houses, right. Or buying houses, get them engaged with those groups, have the contacts available. Be like, this yeah. is who you talk to, to get into this, bro. Yeah. Whether it's JITS, even if it's lacrosse or uh, rugby, which aren't huge here, they got them in Spokane Valley, which yes. is, you know, 15 minute drive away. It's pretty cool. So lots yeah. of sports. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, you touched on the community thing and, and, we run in different circles a little bit, but I think that's the common thread here is that we all, and it, and it, the, it's the intrinsic value for me. Like I'm always going to be doing that. I'm sure you guys are the same. It's, you know, building that community, finding people that are like-minded and like connecting people yeah. is so rewarding to me. Just that, um, just like from coaching jujitsu, I, I absolutely love it for that. I don't get paid to do it. I, you know, 
it's inconvenient sometimes. And sometimes I don't want to go, but like when I show up and I've got these guys that are new to the area and they don't have any connections and we bring them into the fold and you know, the guys I've got there that have been there for two years, like they're welcoming and Next thing we know, we're in the cold plunge together, and they're like, yeah. what the fuck just happened? Well, let's be honest. When you have, like, I, I consider myself to be successful at what I do, but if you're successful at what you do up in this area and you're not putting back into the community in some way, yeah, then all you're doing is taking – there's only so much take you can do. And yeah. you see that happen in a lot of communities. When people put back into it, whether it's through hosting events or whether it's through giving back to kids programs or coaching or volunteering at jiu-jitsu, whatever it might be, I think that's one of the things that people have to continue to realize up here is when you come in, when you can be successful, when you're taken care of, you need to be able to put back into the community. It can't just be coming to North Idaho and taking everything that it has. It has to be contributing to the community in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I I 100% agree with you, man. And I think when I came here, everybody always asked that question when you were a cop. How many times you get asked that? Why do you want to be a cop? Right? Oh, yeah. Especially in the academy. I want to help always, people. Yes. And that's, that's the most that's the answer, common. Right? Man, I never want. My mom was a cop growing up. I, I surprised a lot of people when I became a cop because I was such a pain in the ass when I was younger. But Can I pause for a second? When you told me that your mom got shot as a cop, like, yeah. it blew my mind. She's a badass, dude. Yeah, you wouldn't know that. No. When I first met her. Yeah, and she, she got shot, dude. Right? Yeah. Really? Oh, that's oh, my wow. bad. That's your mom? My, that's my spouse right there. No. Actually, we got to go. Do, we're going to go do that interview for uh, All State football. I was telling you about tonight. That. Yeah, my son made All State this year. How you doing on time? Oh, we're good. Okay, we're good. Hey, real real quick, I got to circle back around. So uh, nobody can probably see that, but no. I'll show you that to you. So that's uh, that's Tyler Johnson when he came down when they won. Um, they came down to the PD. We got the Stanley Cup there as coach. I can't remember his name, and then we got Wayne Gretzky that showed up as well. Um, Wayne, that, that was dude. that's a cool picture. He's a cool guy. Super like, down to earth. Were you there man. the day they came? No, I didn't get to meet him, but everybody's talking about him. He's, he's super down to earth. It looks like Eric would actually be taller than him, too. He might be. Yeah. If I had skates, that's on, cool. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and not to, and when we talk about command presence, I'll say Wayne Gretzky was super cool to meet. I've met him a couple times now. Um, and a great guy that gives back to the community. Uh, you know, he is very much locally invested up here, but I laughed because when he came in that night, um, I think he was, I think he was drinking a little bit out of the Stanley Uh-oh. Cup, but. I remember I was I was still brand new and he walked past a bunch of people and came right up to me and said, Hey, I'm Wayne. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> cool. He's a legend. Yeah. But just a super cool dude. Um, super down to earth. Imagine what it takes to be that way when you have so many athletes that just have their little group that follows them and barely engages with anybody. Yep. That's that's what's up. Super that's cool guys. That was a that was a good experience. Sorry, going back to your son. No, and I just remember getting asked that question about you know, why are you police officer? And honestly, that was one cool thing about the military, right? I lived a lot of different places. I grew up in Spokane, lived a lot of different places and finally felt like I lived enough to know where I wanted to live. So when we came out here to visit uh, my mom after she retired, um, man, the community was awesome, right? It's like, okay, this is a place where I could take an active role in keeping the community the way that it is now. Yeah. And when people are looking and making that same decision on whether or not they're going to leave where they are and uproot, that's a challenging one. I think we take it for granted in the military because we get bounced around a lot. But right. man, you know, being able to come up here and recognize what that community is, I guess what we'd all ask is when you come up here, man, contribute, mm. right? You're bringing your family here for a reason. You want them to grow up in this community where it's safe, contribute. Yep. You know, come back out, take an active role in the community. Idaho's a throwback. So throw it back. Get back to knowing your neighbors, you know, have parties in your neighborhood, all that stuff. Right. Take that kid that maybe doesn't have time with your kids to sports, stuff like that. Since we're talking about about giving back and being part of the community. So if, uh, if you've been following (laughs) us, we did, uh, last night, 
we did a first responders, um, the three of us put together and our, and our wives and uh, we put together a first responders appreciation event at Coeur d'Alene on Ice. So everybody from uh, that was a first responder in our community, we invited them and their families um, and beyond to come down and just enjoy a free night. We had pizza from New York Pizza Department there. We had Cassie Allen from Anchored Coffee, Allie Krupp from 32 Below, um, Peak Fitness ended up uh, uh, donating to it as well. Ivan and Raina Pinchuk from Lone Depot. I want to name them all. And then yeah. um, uh, really Title cool One was there place. too. That what the camera place and the camera place? Yes, yes. Uh, on tap. Uh, yes, on tap. Photos on tap. There oh, we go. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But anyways, I just got a text right now on uh, Facebook, and they asked. I said, "Hi there. We have another night. Uh, it's December twelfth, and it's going to be starting at five p.m. Uh, badger ID entry, or we got to know that you work for a department up here um, or somewhere." And uh, somebody just texted me. And they said, "Hey there. Does the first responders ice skating event include nine one one dispatchers too?" Absolutely. Yes. Um, and I, sure. I, I wrote back and said, absolutely. I said, you keep all the first responders safe and they couldn't do what you do, uh, what they do without you. And that's huge. I mean, really, it's just about the community that that puts back day in and day out. I know doing that job for 17 years in public safety was hard on my family. Mm -hmm. And dispatchers are absolutely part of that. Um, you know, anybody that works at the jail, anything else, we want you to be able to come out and enjoy a night. Um, that's a that's a big deal. So, yes, if you're part of any first responder organization and you do anything like that, we'd love to see you. Man, that was so cool last night. There was a bunch of people, uh, you know, folks that moved here from, you know, similar to my circumstances from different parts like Florida or California. And a bunch yeah. of those kids are, I've never been ice skating before. That, fam that family from was Florida like, was cool, man. Yeah, I was, chatted with them for a bit. Yeah, yeah they were that cool. Was, that was awesome. But, you know, some of those kids never been ice skating. Welcome yeah. to North Idaho. Yeah. Here we go, right? Did you skate last night? Um, he, I had skates on. I was, thought you just wore those to be taller than me. <laughs> that was, uh, he, I heard he was behind me skating. It was like a freight train. Just like boom, boom, boom. I was like, oh, my God. If I fall, I'm dead. <laughs> yes, blunt instant. Yeah, dude. I, yeah, I could see yeah, that. Not a lot of finesse. <laughs> all right? Not a lot of that. <laughs> I don't believe that. So real quick, just so you have the opportunity to kind of brag about this, tell me about that last game. Oh, the last football Because you game. sent me a video, and it's pretty cool. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, oh I don't think so. But, oh, yeah. Oh, dude, it was uh, it was badass. Like I said, I've been coaching with some friends of mine since uh, this team since the fifth grade. And, you know, you were talking about coaching shits, bro, like watching that light bulb go off for people where the, all of a sudden their confidence starts to change and all that. Yeah, you're doing with adults, which is cool. And I'm sure maybe some teenagers, but man, having kids since they were fifth grade to eighth grade and watch these little chest high little dudes all of a sudden come back and they start to build this confidence mm -hmm. and, you know, um, you know, develop coping mechanisms against adversities and all that stuff. I love that stuff coming to fruition. Um, we had our last game was a championship game. We'd gone undefeated and we're going against our rivals. Who's just a hell of a group of boys as well. And we always end up in this Titanic clash with them and true to form. We end up um, down by 14. The third came back, tied it up, going to overtime, uh, stopped them. So we end up, uh, Third and goal to go. I should mention my son is five one and hundred. He's pounds. a little guy. Yeah, he's five one, hundred pounds, <laughs> thirteen. There's kid on their team that's about six three, buck ninety. Whoa. They just there's some dudes like they're at that Whoa. weird age, man. Yeah. Where some are just popping. I'm still waiting for mine. You know what I mean? <laughs> still waiting for mine. So keep eating. You know he's just been pushing and he works out like crazy and he stays the course. And I keep talking to him, man. Like just keep building your skill set. Anyway, so it's. Third and 18 goal to go. We got backed up, and he takes a little out route, breaks about five tackles, dives over the pylon, scores the game winner. Walk Dude. off game winner, gets carried off field, tears streaming down his face. I'm that dad. Dude. No, Joe was sick. It was one of those parenting experiences, you know, you just never forget. And yeah. 
all those times you think about like when your kid says, dad, you want to go throw the football? Can we go throw the football? Can we go do this together? And you know, there are some days, man, especially our current job. You're like, Oh, I'm exhausted. I just don't want to, right. I don't want to do that. Yeah, man. Never say no, especially never say no, get out there. And you know, all that stuff is like the next morning I woke up, I think four 35 in the morning, just wide awake, just think about it. And it's all over. And that's another chapter. And I pass him on to, you know, high school and other coaches and all that, but not just my son. It was a really cool experience, but all those kids when they were down, I think I've talked about that with you guys in the office, bro, where it's like, man, we're down 14. Now what? As a coach, I'm, I'm glad this, if I could script, this, this is exactly how I'd script it because it's easy to be a good teammate and a good friend and a good husband and a good brother. Right. When we're up by 40 points, that's easy. Who are you now? That's who I want to see right now, right? Like, yeah. which one of you is going to be resilient and dig deep and then bring the other guys up? And, man, it was so awesome. I got a text from one of the players I've been coached since fifth grade, and he's just he's just my dude. He's just one of my guys. And, mm. you know, he wrote this uh, – he wrote an actual card, wrote it out, sent me a thing, and he's like, man, you hit it best. He's like, when fifth grade, you had to spend half your time controlling my emotions. Right before that last game, you, I told him, I said – I don't have to do that anymore. You got it. And you not only control yours, you control the other guys on the team, dude. It's been one of the joys of my life, helping you guys grow up and turn into little dudes. I love it. That's so that's, cool. That's awesome. Oh, you guys get me all passionate about it, bro. I love coaching. It was that's, a cool video. I'll show you. It well, was, that, like just yeah, hearing you really describe neat. it. That was, that was, freaking, yeah, that was awesome. You can awesome see that Eric jump in. You yeah. got like two inches of her. Negative, dude. I was at least like 14, 16 <laughs> you bent your inches, knees. bro. Yeah, you yeah, bent your knees. True. Yeah, it wasn't very That was impressive. super cool. I don't remember anything. It was just no, and that's neat that the community still rallies around things like that. It's it's nice that you still have the you know the competitiveness. People are not afraid to to be oh. competitive in the sports, and at oh. the same time, you have a huge support network from the community up here for those things. Um, and and it is high fun. school games, bro. You go, they're huge. Right and at our game, eighth grade, I'll bet there were seven hundred fifty, eight hundred people that crazy? there. Crazy. It was awesome. You know, it's just a bear meat. Yeah, I th- I think you nailed it when you said it's a throwback up here. Yeah, it, it feels like the times that we all grew up. Right, the way it should be, and yes. you can't find that anymore in oh. a lot of places. But you can find it here. Well, it's okay to win, and it's okay to lose. Right, like just just like that. It's okay to win, and it's okay to lose. Still, that's embarrassing. I'm having a little trouble getting it. There we oh, go. There we go. Get, get the weird one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that boy. That's like a cigar of meat. Makes your hand look small. Where'd you uh, oh, Where'd you shoot God. this? Uh, actually, that was good. Yeah, I got this one in uh, Usk, Washington. I ninety. Us. Yes. No guy that lives up that way. Yeah. And uh, one of my good buddies took me out. Man, it was, I got so lucky. Does uh, Idaho bear taste better because it's more free or is it? No, I don't think so. I think there's something very satisfying about smashing Washington bear. Why do you, and there's nothing other than bear meat in here? Bear meat, jalapeno, and cheddar, man. Eggers does it right. Eggers in, uh, in Spokane up on the South Hill where I grew up. Because I've, I've had... I've heard people say, oh, bear meat's gross. I've had it in sausage before. I think it was mixed with pork, though. Mm-hmm. And that was good, too. This is I great. Was, this is delicious. So I'll bring more into the office. How's it sound with us chewing on the microphones? Is that enjoyable? That sound pretty good. Yeah. Um, okay with it. Oh, my phone's over there. Never mind. I was going to give a shout-out to the guy that made us the flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I just picked up a flag for our office. Made in America. Pretty excited about it. He's got a business here in Coeur d'Alene. Uh, it's Pacific Coast Flags. I'll throw the link in the in the notes there. So if you're looking for a flag that's actually made in America and not China, I know where to get them. Very and flag cool. poles too. That's going to be hanging on our office tomorrow. Yeah. 
There's the there's the jalapeno. You got to get yeah. chunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I will say since it's the first time that we have the three of us together on the air, um, you know, this has been something that I've I've thought about for a long time, and it started a lot when uh, you and I did a deal together. I remember that. Yeah. So we did a deal together. You were representing a new officer or her new deputy yep. for Kootenai County. I was representing uh, the seller who is a Coeur d'Alene officer, and the deal went really really well. Mm-hmm. And that isn't always the the case in real estate. In fact, typically when I call somebody, I it's a huge delay. I'm waiting for things to get back. Sometimes I get paperwork that's incorrect, not in compliance. There's a lot of stuff that, that goes on with that. But I remember we did that transaction and I'm like, man, this was really smooth. Every time I asked for something, it was done right away. Yeah. Um, you know, we ran into a couple of hiccups. We worked through it. Um, and I told him, I was like, man, that was that was a really good transaction. Enjoyable. And then to find out that he's former law enforcement, just having that attention to detail and how he takes care of his clients, um, you know, that that was nice because I've always said it's really hard for you to leave this job because this job does have, does have SWAT call outs. Mm-hmm. It has that day where, you know, you can be on vacation. Mm-hmm. Somebody calls you. They have to make an offer. And if you don't have somebody that can back you up that you know has the ability to problem solve, mm-hmm. negotiate. Uh, do the job correctly, have the attention to detail, the moral compass, and be able to take care of your clients like you would, then you find yourself on vacation pulling out your computer. There's all these memes online of real estate agents on the beach. You know, how do you know it's real estate agents? They got a computer, they're on their phone. Um, And that was, so that was one of those things for a long time. I had talked with Seth and been like, man, it'd be cool if you ever came over to to Keller Williams. Um, Never too direct on what I wanted to do, but, um, you know, things have worked out to where now, uh, you know, Seth and Kristen came over to work with Renee and I, and then, um, obviously I've been talking to you about, you know, do you want to dabble in this is something that you, that you want to try out and do. Right. And, um, you know, real estate is one of those things where you, if you have somebody that can mentor you, it speeds up the process really fast. There's a lot of things to learn. Um, you know, I was able to become successful at real estate because I had a great mentor and he taught me a ton of stuff. And now, now he's the broker. Like, I mean, he's the, he's the go-to super knowledgeable, great guy and, and helped push me to where I was able to do the job correctly and be successful at it, not make the common mistakes that happen for years and years with agents. Um, everybody thinks it's like selling sunset. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on. Um, because one, you're not good looking. Okay. And, uh, we, yes, we have Seth. So we already have a good looking, I'm the good looking one in the group. I don't know. But the, the fact that like, you know, this is a job where you really can screw up. Um, it's not uncommon for an agent to write a check for $10,000 because they screwed up. They left something out of a contract. Mm-hmm. Their clients didn't agree to it. They're pissed. Um, and to save a deal, they got to give up a ton of money. And, um, you know, th- this job is one of those where you have to be willing to do it when the, when the work comes. Right. And, uh, you, you've always been that guy. It's so funny when we work together, um, you know, I would laugh. I'm like, man, he's like, go, go, go. My wife's like, you're go, go, go. Yeah. Like you don't stop. Um, but you don't, dude. I mean, endless you, motor. I'm really excited to have you working with us because I think that you're that type of person to where both of you, I feel comfortable passing off a client, especially mm-hmm. a law enforcement client or somebody else mm-hmm. to one of you and know that they're going to have, when they're going to run into an issue, there's not going to be a blockade where somebody goes, man, yeah, sorry, we got to pull out. Like you have the ability to problem solve. You have the right. ability to, to make good decisions. All we got to do is teach you how to do the job. And I think that, I mean, you're going to, you're going to be awesome at it. Um, but people and making sure. I'm pretty stoked. I I, uh, I think I've solved the the team uh, issue about who's because uh, you know somebody will be like whose team is it and so I'm gonna tell him that it's Dave's team. 
He's going <laughs> to tell them that it's your team, and then you're going to tell it. them that's my team. So we'll just switch it up constantly. That's fine. Just and don't take credit yourself. It will just confuse everyone. Is it? Is it like my wife handles the kids? Like if they do something really bad, then they're it's, my then kids, it's, then it's right? Team. But if they do something awesome, they're obviously her kids. <laughs> is it like that? So if it goes really bad, it's obviously Pretty my much. team. I'm the FNG. You're yeah. a new guy everywhere you go. But truly, guys, I, I wouldn't have even entertained this like – Law enforcement's a little funky, right? We've talked about this before, how it kind of wraps you up. And there's a lot of people out there that are in it that think they, the industry itself kind of makes you believe that you can't do anything else. Yep. You know what I mean? Very common. Where they just think that's their only skill set. And man, talking to you two, I, I know that's not the truth, right? But it's cool to see that in action. And I, I think if we didn't have this team and like the collective knowledge and you know the camaraderie and stuff, because yeah. truly law enforcement and fire and you know military all has that. Dude, I don't know if it would have been hard to. It would have been hard for me to even entertain the idea of looking at something else. So, right. No, nah, I think if it weren't for the group, I don't know if I'd be here. But I do appreciate that, and I'll definitely be picking your brain. Take out the trash next time. <laughs> yeah, get yelled at for yeah. not taking. He the left the entire trash bowl. I'm like it's, the first day. It's oh, hard. This guy I, takes out the I trash. I feel him because we. You got the me. firefighter side, and you guys are very organized. Yeah. Right, and I want to clear that up right now. And we are not. Yeah, that was the starkest difference between being a fireman and a cop. What firemen take care of their state. They they clean up. They know that they got to clean their toilets, everything else. Cops, man, I told you I saw people build pyramids oh, of trash that is because they don't want to yeah. take out the it's, trash can. It's graveyards is leaving it for day shift. Day shift's leaving it Unreal. for swing yeah. shift, swing shift. And it just, yeah, the cycle continues. Yeah, it's because you guys live there. Yeah. All right. Oh. You got to clean up after your Xbox tournament. Dude, like you guys live there, and that's it's a little different. Right. Bro. It's a little different. Uh, technically, you're the highest ranking member of the team, so I mean, maybe we need to go with that. Is that yeah. just? Yeah. But then I'm the oldest, yeah. so then that, so that's why we have the rotation. I think is that's good. See, I'm the new guy. I'm the bottom of the totem pole, no matter which way you cut it. I love it. Not only but you also outrank me. So yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> oh, we take out the trash where I'm from. So. All right. <laughs> All right, Anyways, uh, let's call it, boys. It's been an hour. That was really fun. That went by quick. Yeah, dude. yep. Dave we appreciate Dave closed three deals on the one. On the, that <coughs> two, yeah. two deals. Right. Good job. Gosh, um, I will. I will say though, real quick. Um, if if you are looking into North Idaho, one of the biggest things that we're passionate about is making sure that we help get you connected with the community. Um, real estate gets a bad rap because it seems like it's always just people trying to sell you a house or try to get you into a place and make a buck. Um, this is how we take care of our families. So support us because we'd like to be the ones to be able to represent you. But most importantly, if you're looking into this community, if you're looking into North Idaho, if you're looking in, I mean, wherever it is around us, we'd love to help get you connected, whether it's with, you know, what sports programs are available, um, what the hospitals are like, uh, you know, uh, the conditions of the job market, um, areas, whatever that is. I mean, finding a good church. The biggest thing that we want is we want people to come to this community that, that are already coming here that we'll put back into the community and we want to get you connected. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, this is something you'll probably hear in the future with me is that I also want to really focus on locals. This is a, mm. this is a community that is already a vacation destination and it's pushed really hard to get to that point. But I think we're forgetting about a lot of the local people up here. And, you know, I, I really want to encourage people that are local as well. Um, you know, we want to make sure make sure that we're maintaining the right. You know, we want property values to be good. We want the, the community to be safe, to be clean. Um, Coeur d'Alene's changing. 
whether you like it or not. And, uh, but we want to make sure that we're putting back into the community that we're investing in that. And we definitely want people to move here that are going to do the same. But if we can answer any questions for you, please reach out to any of us, uh, follow, like, subscribe. Uh, this guy's got an awesome YouTube channel. You'll see us on there pretty soon. And we're just going to unleash Eric because he, uh, we're all excited to, oh, yeah. to hear this guy talk. He's going to be um, great on video. Super intelligent. Oh, gosh. He's got, but, he's got a face for radio. Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do have a face for radio, but that does bring up a good point. If you guys have any more direct questions about stuff in the community, man, drop it in a comment. Yeah. Right. A yep. positive comment. Yeah. No, but, no, you can throw the negative ones. Yeah, in too. I'm down. Let's do negative ones. Yeah. I started, I started posting them on social media. So if you throw a negative comment, it's going to go up and people might get famous. Yeah. You might get famous. Let's go. Let's go. No, but truly you guys got direct or direct questions about the community or programs. I know we kept it kind of broad. Let us know. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Catch you next time.